This is 400 Plus. I'm Mark Sims. My guest is Renal Tatum. Renal Tatum is the motivator's motivator. How are you, Mr. Tatum? I'm doing absolutely fantastic this morning. I woke up this morning, got another opportunity to serve, and, and, and that's a great thing. That's what I look forward to every day. Yes, I have an opportunity to serve uh, people with my gift, skills, and talents. Well, that's what, it's about. that's what it's about. I think last time we talked, Mr. Tatum, I asked you, uh, were, you ready reti- were you ready to retire? So it, it don't look like you retired. <laughs> no, so, it's, so, that's, uh, what, that's what, not what something you, on my agenda. That's, that's not anything that's on, not anything. That's not something that's on my agenda to retire because I didn't work 40 hours a week for 40 years with the hope that I could retire on 40% of the 100% I couldn't live off of. I was raised by my mother, which was a second generation business person. She was a restaurateur. She owned a restaurant on the West side. So she brought me up with the understanding that she wasn't raising a slave. Uh, I, I'm the only person that I know that my mother and father had a meeting in 1949 and made a decision that they needed a son uh, that they could train up and educate in the restaurant business. Cause my sister that was five years older than me, they knew she would grow up and be someone's wife and mother. And that's exactly what happened for her. So in 1950, August 12, 1950, I showed up. And for the first three months I was in the house and after that, my mother would bring me to the restaurant every day at three months old. And I would be in a bassinet in back of the business. A lot of people say, well, when did you start? I say, when I was three months old, they said, that's impossible. I wasn't doing any work. I was just doing an observation. And uh, she got me started in the restaurant business, starting with washing dishes and preparing food. And I learned the business from the top to the bottom. Unfortunately, my mom passed in 1968. So what they had planned on doing in 49, I was born, but I wasn't able to carry on a legacy in the restaurant business because at 18, the Vietnam War was going on and you couldn't get the deferment from uh, the Selective Service Bureau for running the business. And uh, I was totally opposed to the war. I wanted to be an electrician. That turned out to be a nightmare. Because by the time I got upstairs in the Union Hall, they said the list was closed. And I'm saying, how could the list be closed? And I had been outside almost two days, and I was the seventh person in the line. But later, I found out through institutional racism, the way the unions work, that the nephews and the sons of the union members were already on the apprenticeship list. So that put me in a position to have a big resentment towards IBEW 135 here in Chicago because my dream was shattered. So what was Renault's next move? My next move was to try to go to Wilson Junior College. I did never want to go to college. My high school ACT scores were so low that if I told you what my scores were back in 68, you would say, how in the hell did you ever graduate from college? Well, it took me five years and my high school counselor motivated me because she said, Renal, you're too dumb to go to college. Why don't you try to go to trade school since I graduated from Westinghouse Area Vocational High School in 68? <clears throat> so that encouraged me to go to Wilson Junior College, which later became Kennedy King, pre-engineering major, transferred to Chicago State, graduated in the 74 with a bachelor's of science and industrial education. I went to work for General Motors as an applications engineer in Oak Brook, 
I was the only black man in the office. I felt like the spook was set by the door. Left General Motors and opened up my first legitimate retail business in South Shore called Mozambique's Art Guild. And I did that for four years. So I've got a long history of being self-employed. And I, of course, you know, I've also worked for Chicago Public Schools as classroom teacher, high school drafting. Uh, later in the 2000s, I started working as an administrator with youth programs, uh, was a national coordinator of safety and not security, but safety and substance abuse education. Worked as an administrator with attendance program to try to have my 12 people that work for me to go out and knock on doors, find out why Johnny wasn't coming to school or Susie wasn't coming to school. So I have some history of Chicago Public Schools. And being an entrepreneur, the little time I did work for the board, I would always take my pension money down and, and reinvest it in some type of business enterprise. Because I was thoroughly convinced I would be successful. And to fast forward, when I got involved with the ADOS movement, American Descendants of Slavery movement two years ago, I found out about the wealth gap. I found out about wealth transfers that other groups of people would transfer wealth to the next generation. My grandfather started his business in 1909. All the wealth that he had to be transferred to my mother and myself, uh, that money was messed up by my grandmother. So th the wealth transfer was interrupted. My mother started her business. She only transferred knowledge. She didn't transfer well because she didn't accumulate well because my mother took the position that as fast as she made it, the fast she would spend it. She always said people ate yesterday. They're going to eat today and they're going to eat tomorrow. So my mother never had a worry in the world about money and I picked up a bad habit from her. Well, let me let me, st let me stop you right there because you just did five minutes, which is phenomenal, a little history, which is phenomenal. Uh, you are, I think, 11 years my senior. So for most young people would consider you old and they would consider me old being 11 years your, your junior. They would consider me old. Uh, so this this show is not on TikTok or TikTok or, or Snapchat. So young people are not going to listen to this per se. So let's talk to older people. Let me close. No, Go I'm ahead. serious. I got we, we, I, I, I promise people you 10 minutes. So we almost we almost done. Okay. You're older. So let's inspire uh, people who are my age and your age, if you will, to keep going, not to give up. Well, my advice, which is based on experience, you have to be persistent. You have to have a dream, goal, aspirations that's connected to your gifts, skills, and talents because all of us are born with a seed of greatness and we're brought forth in this universe to provide some type of product, service, gift, skill, or talent. And what we need to do is focus on that. Most people in our age group, you're 11 years younger than I am. I'm 11 years your senior. So my advice, again, based on experience, not my opinion, to anybody that's over 50 years old, that at this point in the game, if you want to see it as a game, because I always ask the question, why are you trying to play the success game without a coach? You need help. You need to talk to someone that has experience preferably direct experience with whatever you're trying to do. 
Don't listen to your family. Don't listen to your friends. Don't listen to your associates because 95% of them don't have experience with what you're pursuing. With that being said, again, I'm going to reiterate it and ask the question, why are you trying to play a sex game without a coach? Everybody needs help. We're here to help one another. At 50 years old or 60 years old, it's got to be something that you've developed yourself to be able to do that you can do like no other person can do that. What you have to do is find out how uh, you can market your gift. Unfortunately, most people don't want to hear what I'm getting ready to say. Most overnight success take 10 to 15 years. With that being said, I would always ask the question or make the statement, if you're not willing to do it for free, you'll never be able to get a fee. If you're not willing to do it for free, you'll never be able to get a fee or get paid. So many people oftentimes focus on getting paid. I live by a simple philosophy that if you do what you love, the money will follow. If you do what you love, the money will follow. Those things that I'm sharing right now in this moment are basically 180 degrees or counter to what most people believe. Whether you're young or old, people know, like they used to say in the 50s and 60s, this is the land of milk and honey. The immigrants come over here and people used to say, it ain't nothing funny in the land of milk and honey if you ain't got no money. We live in a time and space where our success and our self-esteem and our level of self-acceptance is judged or based on a benchmark or a ruler or a yardstick on how much money you have in your bank account. People make money. Money does not make the person. Oftentimes, we see people that make money that never anticipated on making money. And when they get money, they don't know what to do with the money. So it goes back to what I said again. Why are you trying to play the money game without a coach? So you need a financial planner. You need a financial advisor. You need a banker. You need someone that's financially astute with how finances and economics work. See, the bottom line is, Mark, we need help. I'm no longer in the business of giving people hype, being a former motivational speaker, even though I have a title called the Motivator's Motivator, that came from the mouth of babes because children said, Mr. Tatum, you're teaching us how to be self-motivated. So if you're self-motivated and somebody taught you how to be self-motivated and you're teaching us how to be self-motivated, that means, technically speaking, this is a fifth grader, since you work with people and teach them how to motivate themselves, you should call yourself the motivator's motivator. So I got an ongoing joke. Everybody knows Les Brown is known as the motivator. Well, Les Brown needs help too. That's why he surrounds him with people, students, as well as other people that have gone far beyond he's, where he's gone as a professional speaker. So I got an ongoing joke. I say when Les Brown gets depressed, he calls Renal Tatum the motivator's motivator so the motivator can get motivated. And uh, I'm not a comedian. I didn't hear anybody laugh. Maybe you will laugh, but it kind of tickles me because I, I, I met Les in 93. 
at Christ Universal Temple, where I've been a member since 1976, and we we worked together on a program uh, with youth. Well, Mr. And, Mr. Uh, Tatum, I, can, I, can, I got to cut you off because you're older, I'm older, we can talk forever. <laughs> we went over to 10 minutes, which is fine. I'm going to have you back. It's no problem. Uh, I think African-Americans, I, and I could be wrong, I, I believe African-Americans, we don't network as well as we should, as well as we should network with each other. So I cannot thank you enough for being a guest on my show. And just take a few seconds or a minute, if you will, to close out with a little more inspiration. Well, I would just say no matter who you think you are, you're much greater than who you are. Because think how many times people tell you how great you are. And I just close by this because, you know, we can go on and on and on. I always close my television program, Talking Success, with this saying, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. And God will do the rest.